0: Before we read from uh, the scripture that I've chosen uh, this afternoon, it's found in the book of Luke, the third book of the New Testament, and read a relatively brief scripture. It's found at the very end of the book of Luke, Luke chapter 24, I'm just going to read verses 50 through 53. It was noted at the beginning of the worship service that we're going to be focusing in this sermon on the ascension of Jesus Christ. I want you to ask yourself the question, I'm not going to pose the question and listen for answers here. But I want you to think about in your own mind. Um, ask yourself the question, what, really, what was really the significance of Jesus' ascension? I mean, we all know that he ascended into heaven, but like, ask yourself these questions. What is he doing now? I mean, is he just sitting at the right hand of the Father, twiddling his thumbs? Or no? And you say, well, no, but well, what is he doing? And how are we benefited by the ascension? Um, that's what we're going to consider some of those things here from From Luke chapter 24, um, Jesus has risen from the dead for 40 days. For 40 days, he preaches the kingdom of God, and he makes a number of post-resurrection appearances to demonstrate that he indeed did rise from the dead, and then he ascended into heaven. Now we come to that point. Verse 50, then he, that is Jesus, led them, that is his disciples, out as far as Bethany. Now Bethany is a small town, about 10 kilometers From Jerusalem so not so far away and he lifted up his hands and he blessed them he blessed his disciples while he blessed them he parted from them and was carried up into heaven and they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and they were continually in the temple blessing God it's rather interesting just in those three verses that the word bless or blessed or blessing is found three times just in those few verses, three, four, three verses, 50, 51, 52, 53, four actually. So that's a lot. So the, the word blessed or blessing really comes to the fore then. and It's, it's kind of easy, I think, to just kind of glide over the frequency of the word blessed or blessing, but I think there's a reason why that's mentioned there. We'll look at the, the blessing that Christ offers his disciples. Um, uh, v- very quickly with this, kids, I want you to listen up, and I, I don't think probably your dads do this for you um, when you go to bed at night. Let's say you're younger. Let's say you're, I don't know, four or five or six years old, let's say. And, you know, in our family, it was quite unusual, actually, when our kids were younger for me to put them to bed. Joy usually did that. But maybe, kids, maybe your dad every once in a while puts you to bed. I don't know. And... Uh, there was a man named, uh, he was a pastor, and he was a theologian named John Piper, and I think I may have shared this with you before, where when his kids were really young, um, he, he, he would uh, sometimes put them to bed, and then he would kind of kneel down by their bed, and he would talk with them for a while, as dads sometimes do with their kids. And then what he would do is, after talking with them, um, he would lay their hand, his hand on their head like that, And then he would pronounce over them some words. And if you've been part of Pathway for some time, you've probably heard these words before. We find them at the end of our worship service, right? Remember when when I open up my hands and I say, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you his peace. And that's what John Piper would do when he would place his hands upon the kids. Well, what was he doing? He was blessing them. And after he blessed them, he kind of tucked them in further, said a few words, and then he left the room. And the kids, the kids then, you know, went to sleep, right? But, but when, when his kids went to sleep, when his children went to sleep, they, they knew that the next day they would see their dad again, right? Well, think about this, kids, when you think about the ascension of Jesus, that Jesus, before he ascended into heaven, he, he, he gave some words to his disciples, and then what he did is he blessed them, but the disciples knew that was not going to be the last time that they were going to see Jesus. And Jesus was going to bless them and say, okay, now we're done here, and we spent a good three years together. It wasn't that wonderful? See you later. No, Jesus said, I will not leave... He said to his disciples, I will not leave you as orphans. Kids, you know what an orphan is? An orphan is is, a, is, a, is, a, is a, boy, a little boy or a little girl that doesn't have a dad or a mom, right? Sometimes they have to live with other orphans. It's kind of sad. and And so... But, but the disciples knew that they weren't going to be orphans, that one day they were going to see, at the time chosen by Jesus, one day they were going to see him again, right? And we have that encouragement as well, that when Jesus ascended into heaven, we know that that's not the last time we will see him. One day we will see him again. But the main thing I want to, to demonstrate here is that before Jesus ascended into heaven, he actually blessed his disciples. But what's, what's, the, what's the significance of that? Well, very quickly to, to set the background of this, you know, if 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 you're if a lot, a lot of times when when I'm talking to people who are somewhat new to the faith, they they kind of want to know who Jesus is. And so, if someone asked you, "Well, really, who is Jesus, and where would I go to the in the Bible to find out who Jesus was and what happened to his life and everything?", you um, you go where? Well, you go to what are called the Gospels, the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew. Uh, Mark, Luke, John. Now, of course, as we've seen in our afternoon catechetical series, if you remember a month or two ago, I was preaching on actually Luke chapter 24, demonstrating that the whole Bible is about Jesus. Jesus is spoken about from Genesis to Revelation, but if you really want to get into his life and ministry, you've got to read the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And what you see is you find, you find these very important junctures in Jesus' life. So you read about his conception, you read about his birth, and then some of you, I would assume many of you know this, but some of you may not, that after Jesus' birth you will read about him as a little boy. And then you read nothing about his teenage years, and you read nothing about his young adult years. I mean, this, there's nothing you'll find in the Bible about that. Then all of a sudden, Jesus jumps back in the scene, and at 30 years of age, he begins his three-year public ministry. Okay, So, so then we read about Jesus' three-year public ministry, read about his preaching and teaching and miracles and so on, and then Jesus suffers throughout his ministry, but then in the end, that suffering comes to his culmination in his death, and then his burial, and then his resurrection. And then after 40 days, after his resurrection, it's then that Jesus ascends into heaven, and after he ascends into heaven, he experiences what we call the session. That is, he is seated at the right hand of God, full of authority and power. So those are the main junctures of Jesus' life. Right now, we're between the resurrection, at the very end of the resurrection, and now the ascension of Jesus Christ. And like I said... Before Jesus ascends into heaven, it says this, He led them out as far as Bethany, again, about 10 kilometers from Jerusalem, and lifting up His hands, it says, He blessed them. He blessed them. Now, if if you didn't have the opportunity and the privilege of growing up in the Christian faith, you're probably wondering, what in the world was He doing there? But, you know, I I find that sometimes when, when people are even raised in the Christian faith, and catechized, taught in the Christian church, there are many times they're kind of going, you know, but I always wondered that. What, what was that all about? Like, okay, so if you were raised in a church and I asked you, what do you think it means that Jesus actually blessed his disciples? I think for a lot of us we go, well, I know it was something positive. I know it was a good thing, but what exactly was behind that? Well, here's the thing. When Jesus, notice he lifts up his hands and you're probably wondering, why does that pastor at the end of the service lift up his hands? Well, It's as a representative of Christ, following the example of Christ here. You get a blessing at the end of the service with raised hands, okay? So, that's what Jesus does with his disciples. He blesses them, and when he blesses them, a blessing is basically a pronouncement. Not a wish, may this happen to you. It is an official pronouncement of God's goodwill and favor upon you. And that's what Jesus is doing here. And you say, what kind of goodwill? Well... The will, the will of Christ for your joy and your happiness, your comfort, your your peace. Your peace. A wonderful word that captures, uh, in fact, the word peace right at the end of the Aaronic benediction that I pronounce at the end of the service, and the Lord give you his, what? His peace. Hebrew word shalom. And shalom is different than the Greek word for peace, irene. So sometimes a, a little girl is born into the world, and the parents say, I'm going to name that little girl Irene. actually comes from the Greek, from Irene, which means peace, child of peace. Okay? But a more rich word from the Hebrew is the, the Hebrew equivalent to the Greek word Irene, which is shalom. And shalom means gets at get joy, happiness, um, health, health, just um, a sense of peace. And along with the word blessing, Jesus is pronouncing to his disciples his promise, his promise that he is going to be with them always and also that he is going to empower them to carry out the task that he has given them in the world. I mean, you think, when you think of what I just explained here, the word blessing is really, really rich. So try to remember that at the end of the services, right? That when I'm pronouncing as a representative of Christ, when you receive that blessing, that's a pronouncement of God's will and favor upon you. That's that's a beautiful thing. It's better than a classroom. You go, teacher goes at the end. Well, we've come to the end of the hour. You are now dismissed. We don't do that in worship, right? We give a blessing. That's wonderful, on the basis of what Jesus is doing here. But I want you to notice something here. I'm going to read it again. Then he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And then notice. You see it up there, um, and uh, he blessed them. Now, look at verse 51. Notice what it says. He says, while he blessed them, he parted from them. It doesn't say Jesus blessed them, and then he parted from them. He said, First, it says he blessed his disciples, and then it goes on to get a little more specific. It says, while he was blessing them. So, in other words, kids, this is what Jesus is doing. It's for his disciples, and he has hands up, and he's blessing them, probably with the ironic benediction, and it's while he blesses them that he goes up, 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 up. Here's the important point that I'm trying to make. And it's, you, you, it's very easy to miss it when you just are reading, but it's very significant. When Jesus blesses disciples, it doesn't say he just blessed them and then he goes up. And, and, and then we have the idea, well, I guess they're just, they were blessed and now Jesus is gone. No, it's actually while he blesses them, he's being lifted up. In other words, the simple point is the blessing continues. The blessing never ends. In other words, the Christian can always say, in a very simple way, that I always live under the umbrella of, of Christ's blessing. Always under the umbrella of his favor. It's 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 never it's never gone. And sometimes we get depressed and we get lonely, and and we think sometimes we have sinned ourselves out of the kingdom of God, and God says, but. You've got to understand, my, my favor upon you has never left. It's never left. Maybe to put it another way, um, Jesus never experienced a form of retirement. Where Jesus says, Ah, I suffered, I died, I rose from the dead, now I'm ascended, and I've done I've done what my father has called me to do. No, the blessing continues. No retirement. No retirement. I was reading um, an article, um, I think it was either this past week or the week before, it was uh, an article written by a Washington Times reporter for like 30 years, uh, busted out a lot of of articles and so on. And at age 65, he was able to retire and he went to Florida to live the good life, the retired life. And um, then um, I I read from a news organization that he himself wrote an article entitled um, something along the line: I'm retired now and am a nobody, and it's not so bad. Because so often when you're young, you want to be somebody. You want to establish a name for yourself. And he said, you know what, I've gone through that. It's not all chalked up you know, to, to what it, people think it is. And he says, you know what, now I'm retired and I don't care. I don't have to have a name. I don't have to have my name in print. I'm okay with being a nobody And he goes on in that article to write this. He says this, being a nobody isn't so bad. It comes with no commitments, no responsibilities, no deadlines. Man, that sounds pretty good. I glory in each sunrise. I wake up at five in the morning, fire up the coffee, and carefully arrange my bowl of fruit and nuts. Every day includes simple steps. And some days I just sit quietly and think and reflect on my life as a nobody I think I like those days the most. The article demonstrates that this man has gone into retirement and he's good with it being a nobody. That's not what we get in our passage. There is no retirement for Jesus and I might say for all of us, though we may leave our nine to five job or whatever we do, there is no retirement in the kingdom of God. We're always working, always laboring on behalf of the king. So no retirement for Jesus, he's always working, he's always thinking, he's always planning, he's always blessing. All right, so finally this, what what, what kind of blessing is he actually giving us? Okay, so he pronounces goodwill and he he wants the best for us, he's going to work out his plans for our lives and so on, but is there more to it than that? Um, I want to say this. Here's how Christ is blessing us, at least, at least uh, according to the Bible. And this is, um, this is one of the reasons, by the way, while in our afternoon service, we, we go through catechetical training here to get us into the details of things. And um, when, you, when you take a look, especially at the document that we're going through in our afternoon services, the Heidelberg Catechism, it actually lays out three major benefits. Um, and I'm gonna mention four quick, but three major benefits that we get as a result of the ascension of Jesus Christ, and and it has to do with the question that I uh, posed to you at the very beginning of the sermon, and that is, in your mind, what what do you think are the benefits of Jesus for you in his ascension? And there's, there's three primary ones. The first one is this. It has to do with this. It has to do with folded hands. When, you know, Jesus, the Bible tells us, held three offices or three responsibilities he was prophet priest and king and when jesus ascended into heaven he 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 right now is continuing his high priestly work now when you look at the old testament what did, what did a priest do well, what a priest worked in the temple and the priest offered sacrifices on behalf of god in order to restore his people into fellowship with god When we think of a priest, we think of a guy who offers sacrifices. But another thing the priest did is he taught and he also prayed. He prayed for the people. In a sense, that's what a pastor does. You know, pastors called to do various things as an elders as well. One of the primary tasks we have is prayer. Now, when Jesus ascended into heaven, he didn't go into retirement and say, Well, now my praying duties are over. As our high priest, he's continuing to pray. He prays, he prays, he prays with us. And he prays actually for us. Because there are a number of times where, you know, I know, you and I, we sometimes really struggle in prayer. We don't know how to pray. We don't know what to pray. Sometimes we have foggy heads. Sometimes we feel uncomfortable praying. And Christ takes us in the midst of that weakness. And remember this in your own individual prayers, but also in your care groups too. That as you gather together in your care groups and you're praying together as brothers and sisters, always think in the back of your mind, but we're not alone. Jesus is praying. He's praying right now with us and also for us and cleansing our prayers and being an advocate for us before our Heavenly Father. Jesus, our great high priest, basically saying, you and I are never alone, especially in our prayer life. Secondly, this. um, Another reason why Jesus ascended to heaven is in order to prepare that special place for us one day when we move on from this earth and we enter into glory. I think it's the, the Heidelberg Catechism that puts it that he is he is used the word guarantee. He is our guarantee. So he goes on before us, and we gets into, into heaven. He he is preparing that place for us, basically assuring us that just as he died and rose from the dead and ascended into heaven, so too there will be that day when we die. You're all gonna die, kids, even you, hopefully not soon. But one day. All our lives are going to end according to the clock and the plan of God. And one day we are promised we will rise from the dead and we will ascend into glory and we'll be with Christ forever. And I tell you, as a pastor who has had to do a number of internments or graveside services, there is a huge, huge difference between doing a graveside service of someone who doesn't know Christ or family members who don't know Christ or are un- and are unchurched, and the, the wonderful opportunity of privilege of doing a graveside service for those who are in Christ and who are, belong to the church of Christ. It's a huge difference, and the comfort level is profound. It is profound, and there's a reason why it's profound. It's because we take Jesus at his word. You're up there, and we will join you. There's no doubt, no doubt about that. And then finally, I want to end with this. One of the blessings also that we receive as a church and that the disciples received is that Jesus needed to ascend into heaven before doing something that was very, very important and that he promised his disciples. He says, I'm gonna give you my spirit. It's that spirit that is going to help you carry out the mission mandate I have in this world. So I'm gonna ascend so I can fulfill my purposes in your life, but also so that I can fulfill my purpose is for the world that comes through you. The immediate context here is this. Jesus says, Behold, he says to his disciples before he blesses them, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Then what Jesus does in Acts 1 verse 8 is, is this is fulfilled out further. And Jesus says to his disciples, and you shall receive power from on high when my spirit is poured out upon you. And then in the power of my spirit, you will bear witness of me and my kingdom in the world, beginning in Jerusalem, then in Judea, then in Samaria, indeed to the utter ends of the world. The only way that we receive the pouring out and the power of that Spirit to help us to be the kind of church that pathway needs to be, the only way that happens is through the ascension of Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ ascends into heaven. And do you remember how long it took for Jesus to pour forth His Spirit? He rises from the dead, preaches the kingdom of God for 40 days, He ascends, and then 10 days later, He pours forth His Spirit to be a blessing upon his disciples and us as well. Here's my point. Jesus's mission is also his disciples mission. And the disciples mission is also our mission. Think of it this way as a church, that we carry on the ministry and the mission of Jesus in this world. Jesus says in John twenty twenty one, he says, as the father has sent me, so now I will send you. And I don't send you into this world And I don't have you carry on your ministry at Pathway alone. But as we saw this morning, the Lord says, I am with you. I give you the power of my spirit, the power to preach and the burden to pray, the boldness to speak, the love to reach out, and the joy of seeing people coming to Christ. All of this, all of this would not happen without the ascension. Of Jesus Christ and I suppose if you look at it this way then you know this this, this teaching on the ascension is not just kind of an addendum or a little attachment that we have to the Christian faith but it means everything for us everything for us individually as well as members of the church and the ministry that Christ has given to us and so that is a beautiful thing and then notice Jesus is promising the very same things to his disciples and the last thing we read is that they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they were continually in the temple, blessing God, blessing God. So, so as Jesus is lifted from them, they, they're, they're not crying and they're not saying, oh, no, no, we're, no what, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? They, they knew, and they took Jesus at his word, that he was going to be with them. And their response is not one of sorrow or heaviness or depression, but is one of joy, rejoicing, and also uh, uh, worship, worship. And then, and then what they did is they blessed God. It's like Jesus says, I bless you. And in response, they say, for all of what your ascension means for us, we bless you as well, Lord. It's that reciprocal, reciprocal blessing. And I think if that's all what the Lord has done for us, and if, that's all, if those are all the benefits of Christ's ascension for us, and they're not small, and that should be our response as well, which I trust it is now. Worship, joy, and blessing God. And with that having been said, let's bless him now, and let's do that in prayer. Join me in prayer, if you would. Heavenly Father, as the disciples worshipped Jesus, we have gathered here this day to do the same thing. And Lord, how can we not? You are worthy of all our praise and our adoration, and not just our praise and adoration, but also our joy. You're not dead, oh no, but you're very much alive. You are not limited by space or time, but you are ascended, and you are everywhere present, in heaven, yes, but also in our hearts, and you are with us always. And so we bless you, and we offer our hearts and our lives to you, and we offer our heart and lives not only to you, but also to the city in which we live. Lord, bless us with the power of your Spirit to the end that we may not only be blessed as brothers and sisters in Christ, but that many in this city may also be blessed and also flourish because of us. In the end, may the words of the psalmist increasingly resonate within us. Psalm 67, Lord, bless us and keep us. And make your face shine upon us so that your way may be known on the earth and your saving power among the nations this we pray in your name lord jesus amen all right we